This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Jeremiah chapter 18, and let's get right into the message tonight. I will try to be brief. Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse number 1, the Word of God says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what, at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it? If it do evil in my sight, that it, excuse me, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. Now therefore go to, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I frame evil against you, and devise a device against you. Return ye now every one from his evil way, and make your ways and your doings good. And they said, There is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices, and we will every one do the imagination of his evil heart. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Ask ye now among the heathen, who hath heard such things? The virgin of Israel hath done a horrible, a very horrible thing. Will a man leave the snow of Lebanon, which cometh to the rock of the field? Or shall the cold flowing waters that come from another place be forsaken? Because my people hath forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity. They have caused them to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths, to walk in paths in a way not cast up, to make their land desolate in a perpetual hissing. Every one that passeth thereby shall be astonished and wag his head. I will scatter them as with the east wind before the enemy. I will show them the back and not the face in the day of their calamity. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, I would invite you to go to verse number 15 and mark these words. My people hath forgotten me. My people hath forgotten me. This is the Lord speaking. And he tells the prophet Jeremiah, here's the problem. My people. Not the world, not the heathen, my very own have forgotten me. God sends Jeremiah on a mission. He does not send him in chapter 18 to go preach a sermon. If you read through the book of Jeremiah already, God has sent the prophet with a number of messages to his people. But he does not send him now with a message. He sends him to prepare a message. 
He says, Jeremiah, I want you to go down. I'm going to show you an illustration. And in that illustration, I'm going to speak to you. The theme of the book of Jeremiah, fittingly, for the sermon tonight, is forgetting and forsaking. You find these terms over and over and over again in the book. You see, Jeremiah is Judah's midnight hour. They've been warned, they've been cautioned, and they've not heeded it. And Jeremiah, of course, we know as the weeping prophet. As far as we know, not one convert in Jeremiah's ministry. Not one person of all the years of his faithful ministry and service to God, not one person is recorded as turning to the Lord as a result of Jeremiah's preaching. And God says to the prophet, he says, I want you to go down and I want you to watch a potter. I want you to watch his work. And then in that work, I'll speak to you. I'll give you the message. And he comes to the end of the message and he says, let me just sum up the whole thing. My people have forgotten me. I'd like to give you three things tonight, and again, for sake of time, I'll move quickly. The very first thing I'd like us to see is forgetting the potter's house. Forgetting the potter's house. Go back to verse number 1 of uh, chapter 18, if you would. The Bible says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. It's interesting when God puts things together, God's always working. As Hudson Taylor used to say, God is always advancing. And if we're paying attention, we can see God's working all around us all the time. And the prophet Jeremiah is told by God, I want you to get on there and I want you to, to watch this fella. And when you get there, I'm going to teach you something. And just as he's showing up, as God would have it, the man is working. And he's, he is working on a wheel, a, a, a turning wheel, and he's making a vessel. Look at verse number 4. And the vessel that he made of clay. I find it very interesting that when God is going to give this illustration, when God is going to point out some things concerning his people, he uses clay. He uses regular old dirt. And I think that it would do us all good myself most especially, if we would just remember who we are, what we are. Because I get to thinking so highly of myself sometimes. And let him that thinketh that he standeth take heed lest he fall. I am convinced that so many of the downfalls in my Christian life could be avoided if I would simply remember who I am. We get to being so high and mighty in our own minds. And God says, let me just remind you through this illustration. Let me just remind you, and, and you can remind the people who you are. You're just dirt. I was reading again some time ago the account of Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts was a young man who was used mightily of God during the 1904 Welsh Revival. As a matter of fact, our Evan is named after him. Uh, that was the only name, by the way, of all four of our boys. That's the only name that I liked right away. And uh, all the other ones, I was kind of like, mm, you know. And then Heidi just said, yeah, get used to it. And so now that's just who they are. And for all of eternity, I'll call them that. And it's as much of, of their being as anything else. But Evan Roberts was a nobody. 
Now, to God, he wasn't a nobody, but to people, he was a nobody. As a young person, he worked with his father in the mine and unknown. God was doing a work in his life. He went off to one year of, of institute, Bible institute, and he didn't even stay the entire year. Went for a number of months, and God so burdened his heart that he returned to his hometown to preach. And in 1904, revival broke out in Wales, and God used Evan Roberts to spearhead that revival. In one instance, they were in an evening meeting, and it was typical several nights a week, sometimes every night of the week, they would meet together in the church house as he traveled around with singing and praying and testifying and preaching. One particular night, Evan Roberts was sitting on the platform, and he stood up and, and he interrupted the entire meeting. People were standing and testifying, standing and testifying, standing and testifying. And Evan Roberts stood and stopped the entire meeting. He said, the Lord Jesus is not pleased. Got the attention of people. He said he's not pleased because men are making too much of themselves. You know, somebody in that crowd certainly thought, what's he doing putting a wet blanket on this whole thing? But I think he got it. Men are making too much of themselves. And let me say, we're going to talk about the clay tonight, but let's just remember you and I together. Let's remember who we are. We're sinners. We're hell-deserving sinners. Saved by the grace of God, hallelujah, and praise Him for that. We're dirt. We're nothing. And the Bible says when Jeremiah shows up, he sees the man working. He's not working with gold. By the way, at times, God refers to his people as gold. He's not working with silver. At times, God refers to his people as silver in illustrative form. But he says he's working with dirt. He's working with clay. Verse 4, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. I found this very interesting a while back, and so I was... I was reading some commentaries, and I thought, I wonder, I wonder what happened there. Did the potter mess up? Was the potter not paying attention? Did he, did, he, did he make a mistake in some way? And the commentator said that most of the time when a vessel was marred, it was not at all the fault of the potter, because the potter was so skilled, he'd done it so many times. It was not the fault of the potter, but it was something contained within the clay that caused it to be marred. Perhaps it was not moldable enough. It wasn't, it wasn't flexible enough. Or perhaps some sort of a stone, an aggregate, found its way into the clay. And because of that, it was marred. Now pay very close attention to what happens next because this is where the rubber sort of meets the road. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. I find it interesting that when you look at a piece of artwork, you don't praise the paint and you don't praise the, the brush. When, when a, a musical instrument is played beautifully, we don't praise the instrument, we praise the person who is playing the instrument. 
And so we're going to see here that the clay is going to be formed, the clay is going to be fashioned, and let us remember always that there is a former of the clay. The clay does not ever form itself. There's a work that God is doing in your life. There's a work that God is doing in my life. And here's what happens. The clay is being formed. The, 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 the potter comes to that wheel, and he has an idea in his head. He can picture it. How many of you are like that? You can picture things. Huh? I cannot do it. Heidi is so good at it. She'll walk into a room, and she'll go, oh, I can see how this could be laid out, you know? And I draw me a picture, because I just, my mind doesn't work that way, right? But the potter sits down at the wheel, and he knows, he knows exactly what he's going to make. He knows how he's going to make it. And in the process, somehow in the process, it becomes marred. So what does he do? Does he take the clay and set it aside and say, useless? No. The Bible says, look at verse number four, please. So he made it again another vessel. He had something intended for this vessel. Don't miss this, please. He had something intended for this vessel to be, but the vessel was marred. The vessel had something in it that would not allow the potter to make it what he wanted it to be. So rather than throwing it away, rather than wasting, he said, all right, it's not what I intended for it to be, but I'll make something else out of it. Hold your place here and turn with me back to 2 Timothy in chapter number 2. When you find your place there, perhaps you want to put a bookmark or your Bible marker in there or something. We're going to be returning to 2 Timothy a number of times this evening. The potter makes another vessel. It was not his original intent. It's not really what he wanted, but he makes something else. 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse number 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Can I tell you what happened? The prophet Jeremiah shows up. God says, I'm going to talk to you, Jeremiah. But before I talk to you, I want you to watch this illustration. He walks into the potter's house. And the man's working on a vessel. At some point, it becomes marred. He cannot make of it what he desires to make of it. So he says, all right, I'll just make something else. I'll use you somehow. Hey, I wanted to make you a vessel of honor. But if you won't be a vessel of honor, I'll make you a vessel of dishonor. What is, the, what is the point for us? The point is very simply this. The potter will make something of your life. God is at work. God has an agenda, and it will be accomplished. He is eternal. He is infinite. He is almighty. Nothing is going to stand in the way of almighty God accomplishing what he desires ultimately to accomplish. The question is this, am I going to be a vessel of honor in his hand accomplishing that thing, 
or am I going to be a vessel of dishonor? You see, here's the fact. No one's out of the woods in the Christian life. No one has arrived. And years down the road, here's my fear. Years down the road, when my children have children, and they speak of their grandfather, how will they speak of me? Will they speak of me in such a way? Will they say, hey, your grandfather, not a perfect person, but he allowed God to use his life. He was on board with what God was doing in this world. He was a vessel of honor. I can be used of God that way. Look here, meat for the master's use, or I can be simply a cautionary tale. God wanted something for his life. God had a plan. He had a purpose. But the clay was not able to be made into what God wanted it to be, and so now all his life is is a a cautionary tale. It's, it's a chronicle of what you don't want to be. And every person in this room could stand in this pulpit tonight and we can all give examples of vessels meet for the master's use and of cautionary tales. Listen, please. He is forming us. The potter is at work. The wheel is spinning. What will your life be? Will it be a vessel of honor? Will it be a vessel of dishonor? This is how we forget the potter's house. Look, this is the lesson that God wants us to learn. He says to Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. There's a second thing. Number two, forgetting the potter's hand. We forget the potter's house. We forget the lesson of the clay. We forget the lesson of the marred vessel. But we also forget the potter's hand. Look at verse number five. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up or to pull down and to destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it? If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. Now, therefore, go to, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Return ye now every one from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. Here's what God does in verse number 5. He turns their attention. He turns Jeremiah's attention now away from the potter, the man who is sitting in front of him, and he redirects him to himself. 
not an earthly potter, but now a heavenly, a divine potter. He says, let me, let me teach you a lesson. Let me make a correlation between this man that's sitting in front of you and Almighty God. He says, just like that man can take the clay and he can, whenever he desires to, he can change it. He can form it. He can fashion it. One of the most fascinating things that I've ever seen is, is this process right here in person. And I watched an elderly man as, as he spun that wheel and, and he had a, a, a large stone top and, and the shaft that went down to a, a wheel underneath him, spinning it with his foot and spinning it with his foot. And, and as he would spin that, he would, he would move his hands and just the slightest movement of his hand would form that clay. And God says, I can do the same thing with you. You're looking at a man who's, who's moving some, some dirt around. God says, I can move nations that way. I can move human lives that way. Just see how, how malleable it is, see how soft it is. God says, that's nothing for me. Look at verse number seven. Mark these two words, if you would. In verse number seven, look at the word instant. Mark that, if you would, please. At what instant? Verse number nine. And at what instant I shall speak? God says, look, it takes this man, it takes this man time to form and mold and this. He says, but he is a human potter. Let me tell you what your heavenly father can do. In an instant, I can change things. What happens when, when we respond positively to God, when we draw nigh to God, he draws nigh to us. And he says, it'll take him hours. Who knows how long it'll take him. And then he's got he's to heat it and cook it. God says, I can do it instantly. This is the hand, the, the potter's hand. This is the work that God can do. Go back with me to 2 Timothy. I hope that you held your place there. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse number 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. What is the difference? God says, I'll tell you what the difference is. It's how you respond to me. It's how you respond to me. God says, you let me be God in your life. You let me be who I need to be in your life. Vessel of honor. How does that happen, by the way? The potter's hand does it. How about that vessel of dishonor? How does that happen? Disobedience to the Word of God, pride, stubbornness, worldliness, carnality. God says, I cannot use that vessel. My hand will work on that pot, my hand will form that pot, draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to me. But when I say to God, no, 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 then what does God do? As with Pharaoh, he would harden his heart and harden his heart and harden his heart. Forgetting the potter's hand. Listen, it is, it is, it is much more serious than we could ever imagine. It is much more serious when we look in God's face and we say, no, my way. Not your way, my way. 
And if we could fast forward, if we could see the consequences of our sin, of, of our actions, if we could see, look, if we could see the, the working of the hand of the potter in our life, either, either positively or negatively, it would impact us. It's the potter's hand. We forget that there is a potter. We forget that there are, are consequences to actions. Let me give you very quickly and thirdly, forgetting the potter's hope. We forget the potter's house and the lessons learned there. We forget the lessons learned from the potter's hand. But finally, we forget the lessons learned from the potter's hope. I am absolutely blown away. I am amazed. I am I'm honestly amazed when I read the response of God's people. Verse number 11, Now therefore go to, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Now, he's already told them, he's already told them, I am the potter, I am the heavenly potter, and when I, when I devise evil against somebody, but if they repent, if they turn to me, I'll change. You repent, I'll repent. And God says, if, I'm, if I intend good against you, but you give me evil for good, I'm sorry, there's consequences to that. So he's laid down the formula for him. By the way, it's a fairly simple formula, is it not? I mean, the Christian life is not, not rocket science. And for some of us who struggle in math, we say praise the Lord for that. Right? I still hate algebra. Sorry, Mr. Hickman. Still hit algebra. This is not rocket science. It's a pretty simple formula. Now watch this. He's just laid out this formula for them. Behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Return ye now, everyone from his evil way, and make your ways and your doings good. And they said, there's no hope? What? What do you mean there's no hope? You see, I, I, I could understand, I I would be much, I'd be much more easy to understand if they would just simply said, look, we don't believe God. We don't believe the Lord. If we turn from our way, we don't actually believe that he'll, he'll forgive our sin and heal our land and all those problems. We just don't believe God. I would be, it would be easy for me to understand, look, we just don't think God has the power to do it. But their emphasis was not on the potter. They'd forgotten the potter. They were looking at themselves, and here's their response to it. The prophet comes with a word from God. He says, look, guys, this whole thing's messed up, and we can fix this. God is willing to fix it. And here's their response. There is no hope. We will walk after our own devices. We will everyone do the imagination of his evil heart. You know why? They'd lost hope. They'd lost hope. They didn't lose hope in God because they weren't even looking at God. They had their eyes on themselves. And here's what they were saying. You know what? We believe that if we turn from our wickedness, if we, if we turn from our idolatry, we really do believe that God will do everything that he says he'll do. Here's the problem. We just, we can't turn. There's no hope for us. We're too far gone in our idolatry. 
We're too far gone in our wickedness. We're addicted to our sin and there's no hope for us. Honestly, if they would have said, we just don't believe God, we don't think God's powerful enough, I would say, okay, well, that's easy enough. But they have gotten to the place where they say, there's really just no hope for us. You know, I'm, I'm concerned in my own life that I lose hope so easily. And I lose hope because I'm, I'm looking at myself. I'm, I'm not looking at the Lord Look at verse number 13. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, ask ye now among the heathen, who hath heard such things? God says, look, don't even, ask the, don't even ask my people who should know better. Go ask the heathen. Go ask heathen people. Have you ever heard of such insanity? Have you ever heard something so crazy? He continues, the virgin of Israel hath done a very horrible thing. He gives an illustration, verse 14. Will a man leave the snow of Lebanon, which cometh from the field of the rock, or shall the cold flowing waters that come from another place be forsaken? Now, in that part of the country, they would understand what this is talking about here. The mountains of Lebanon, up in the, the high altitudes, the mountains of Lebanon would have snow, and that snow would melt. And as it melted, it would run down the mountains. It would run across those fields and across those moss-covered rocks and be purified. And the water coming off of Mount Lebanon was pure, pristine, cool drinking water. And God says, are you going to leave that? How much sense does that make? And they would say, it doesn't make any sense at all. Would you go drink some muddy water sitting in a pool or a dead, you know, uh, stagnant cistern somewhere when you could drink from here? And they would say, no, we'd never do that. He says, but that's exactly what you've done. That's precisely what you've done. And you know why they did it? Because they lost hope in the potter. I'm convinced that so many Christians believe that God could use their life God could use their life, but they don't have any hope. Look, I'm too addicted to that sin. There are young people, Christian young people, who believe in their heart. They know that if they would let God choose the life's mate for them, that God could do it, that God could bless their marriage, that God could give them a great home, but they say, I'm just too emotionally attached to this other person. It's too far gone for me. It's too, it's, it's too late. No hope. We say, you know what? I really do believe that, that God could use me in ministry. God could use me to serve Him. But what's the problem then? There's no hope for me. There's too much worldly influence in my life. I just can't break free of it. Listen, if you're looking at yourself, that's a true statement. Get your eyes off of yourself and look at the potter. And what does the potter say? The potter says, as easily as, as, easily as I want to, I will form your life. Well, here's what you got to do you got to give me control. I have to be in control. I have to be the one who's forming and who's pushing and who's molding. And as long as you have forgotten the potter, you'll be a vessel, but not a vessel of honor. Go back with me to 2 Timothy. I cannot tell you how encouraged I was when I read these verses 
Verse 21, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, all right, Lord, what's the point of this list? Flee also youthful lust. All right, so that's what I'm fleeing. By the way, we, we, we put one particular sin in that category, youthful lust, but lust is anything that we desire. So what am I supposed to do? Follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace. Well, I'm going to give up at the very beginning. I can't do it. Look, I'm just going to be honest with you. I cannot do that. I can try, I can, I can stab at it for a day or two or three, maybe a week. I cannot do that. I can't do this. But guess what? This is not a list. This isn't a list. It's a person. Who am I following after? I'm not trying to follow after what I can get done. There's no peace in that. There's no comfort in that. What am I following after? Follow after righteousness. I have no righteousness of my own. My righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the eyes of God, but I am clothed in His. Who am I following after? I'm following after Jesus. Follow after righteousness. Faith. Faith. Am I really going to base my life on my, my pitiful faith? Look, pitiful faith. No, I'm following after him who is the author and the finisher of the faith. I'm following after Jesus. Charity. John said God is love. It's a pretty simple statement, isn't it? God is love. When I don't have love, when I don't have charity, when I don't have the thing that I should have within my heart. He says, follow after the one who is love. He says, peace. You know what the world wants? You know what the world wants? It just wants peace. It just wants to be at peace. I don't have peace. But I know the Prince of Peace. Listen, this is not a list. It's a person. How am I to be a vessel of honor? I am to be a vessel of honor by following after the person of Jesus Christ. Not me. Hey, look here. Not me. I'll, I will fail 100 times out of 100. And the potter is going to say, I can't use you the way I wanted to use you. Look, I had a great plan for your life. I had, I had so many things I wanted to use you for, but you wouldn't do it. And so now I'm going to use you for something else. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, you want to be a vessel of honor? Follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace. Watch this. With them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I can't do it. But I can call on the Lord who can help me to do it. What is our problem? I think our problem, well, forget you, just me. What's my problem? My problem is that I've forgotten the Lord. God said they've forgotten me. They've forgotten the lesson of the potter's house. They've forgotten the lesson of the potter's hand. And they've forgotten that they can have hope in me.
Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.